0: All right, sweetness, good to have you back. This is Maximize Your Influence, Kurt Mortensen here, Podcast 475. As we continue on understanding those personalities, those styles, today we're going to focus more on the C personality, the steadiness of the disc style, the yellow in the color code, harmonious, relator, considerate, affable, whatever you want to call it. That's what we're going to be focusing on today. Remember your default settings, you tend to persuade and sell others how you like to be persuaded and sold, and that is wrong. We need to adapt to their style, their personality, their culture, their age, the way their brain's wired, and persuade people how they want to be persuaded, especially with your one-on-one. Group's a little bit different, got to shoot down the middle a little bit more, but one-on-one you can adapt. Hopefully you're having a good week, achieving your goals, becoming more persuasive, more influential, working on that mindset, that self-persuasion, that motivation. Because when I ask, have you ever had a day when you didn't feel like doing the things you know you need to do? Uh, pretty much across the board, that is every hand. And if every hand doesn't raise, you know, they're probably lying. <laughs> that is human nature. And the key secret is the ability you motivate yourself and motivate others is the same. If you're interested in motivation, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Go to the archives under motivation. That's also the home for your persuasion IQ assessment, the specials of the week, the advanced training programs, and get more information on InfluenceUniversity.com. Uh, that was in North Carolina this week, Charlotte. It was very warm, very hot, but uh, we had a good time talking about becoming better communicators, presenters, and the key factors, pre-solving objections before they even happen. That's what great persuaders do. If you can solve it before it happens, that's when good things really start to happen. Because if you let them have an objection or a question, their brain hits a brick wall, then they're not flowing with you, they're not listening to you, their brain is stuck on that objection. I did make the cardinal mistake. I've learned this lesson before. Went to a nice Mexican restaurant, got some food to go. All I did was walk across the hotel parking lot. I thought I picked it up right when they delivered it to the counter. You can't order nachos. There's just no way. You have like a two, three, maybe four minute window before they get soggy. So it was a waste. I was very sad. I do love my nachos. So important things to learn today. (laughs) Don't order nachos unless you're getting them right when they create them. So with that, let's get into our persuasion. Let's call it a blinja, a little blunder and a ninja. And it's me just remember this the other day. I was working with some people that are in charge of safety for manufacturing plants, which you would think people in charge of safety would be people's best friends. I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to make sure you don't get hurt. But most of the time, they're perceived as the enemy. And uh, back a few years, more than 10, <laughs> maybe a lot more than that, I had made the jump from the corporate world to trainer, author. My first book was coming out. I was starting to get out there, do some persuasion, get some business, get some training going. And I was relatively new in that business. And whenever you start a business, it seems like it's the the 10 times rule. It takes you 10 times longer and costs you 10 times more than you think. (laughs) Put things into perspective. So it was taking me a while. I was doing some things and I had this opportunity to train for a gold company. So there's safety engineers and a few others. It was going to be out of the country and I needed it. I wanted it, and you know, you in that panic situation, which of course is one of those things in Persuasion IQ we talked about, when people can sense you have to close the deal, you have to seal the deal, you have to finish the negotiation today, that gives you minus 10 points, minus 20 yards, however you want to do it, people can sense that, and you don't get the terms you want. So I tried to mask that, I think I did pretty well, but I bid it pretty low, I needed to make sure. It was down to three people, I didn't make sure I got this and figured price would be the issue. I would be the lowest priced and the best provider. (laughs) But everybody knows you get what you pay for. And so that was a blunder on my part. And a lot of entrepreneurs do that to where they just don't bill people what they're worth. I've seen some people train entrepreneurs and say, look, figure out your price. Take a deep breath. Add a zero to it. That's what you should charge. (laughs) Because you don't want to fight on price. So I was fighting on price. So on the blunder, somebody else at the Ninja, they pulled me aside. And luckily, I connected with this person. The other one had read the book, brought me in and said, Kurt, we dig money out of the ground. We're a gold company. If you want our business, you better double or even triple that number in your proposal. I'm like, Wow, thank you for your honesty. And I did. And I got the deal. And it turned out really well. And so luckily, someone was honest enough to do that. Now, most of the time, that's not going to happen. Most companies aren't going to say, hey, can we give you more money? Just doesn't happen. Luckily, I had an ally. I had a connection. I guess that's a ninja on my part to have that ally, to have that connection, that they could be honest with me and say, look, if you want this, you need to charge more money. So rethink pricing. In fact, I did a four-part series on pricing a while back. Check the archives out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com because it's not the price. It's you, either your mindset or how you're delivering it you need to quit focusing on that issue. Think about that, ponder that one as we get into our geeky scholarly article. So this comes from University of California at Berkeley, Pamela Tom, Dr. Brink, and the Journal of Psychological Science. Here's the title, The Unconscious Mind Can Detect a Liar Even When the Conscious Mind Fails. Of course, all these links are at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Hey, and you send me an article... Or an email, you get for free gold access to InfluenceUniversity.com. So really, can the unconscious mind detect a liar even when the conscious mind fails? We've talked a lot about that most influence involves a subconscious trigger. It's under the radar. It's the unconscious mind. So they go on to talk about when detecting deceit, your unconscious instincts may be more accurate than conscious thought when making judgment about others. And we see that in a lot of instances that we just don't put a lot of faith into that, because we can't explain it a lot of times. It just didn't feel right. We didn't trust them. We didn't pick it up. Oh, it's just us. It's just our mind. It's not really happening. I really shouldn't feel that way. And we discount those feelings. It was interesting when I was researching laws of charisma that many CEOs upper management use instinct more, that intuition, that urge, that impulse, that feeling. They don't talk about it. I mean, how do you define this woo-woo? But if you ask them about it, it is something there, and that's part of this process. So the authors of the paper found that conscious awareness may hinder our ability to detect whether someone is lying, perhaps because we tend to seek out behaviors that are supposedly stereotypical of liars. We've all heard it before, like the lack of eye contact, fidgeting, sweating. But a lot of times these behaviors really don't show you or tell you that someone's deceiving you. And they're also on the top of the list, the first ones that people are going to start to fix, right? The eyes are, oh, I better not fidget. <laughs> you could get a false positive from that. So the article continues, our research was prompted by the puzzling consistent finding that humans are very poor lie detectors, performing at only about 54% accuracy in traditional lie detection tasks. They said that's hardly better than chance. I mean, you get the same results if you're just guessing if the person was lying. And they go on to say too that it doesn't make sense evolutionary sense that humans evolved with little to no ability to accurately detect lies. So the study was this. They were watching videos of suspects in a mock crime interview. Some of the suspects in the videos had actually stole a $100 bill from a bookshelf, and the others hadn't stole anything. All the suspects were instructed to tell the interviewer they had not stolen the money. So one group was lying, one group was not. And the study showed that only 43% of the time were they able to detect the liars. And that was based on conscious cues. So then they spent some time looking at the participants, asking them questions, and trying to get them in touch with their unconscious instincts about the suspects, the people in this video. And when they were able to do that, they showed that the participants responded more quickly to deception-related words, untruthful, dishonest, deceitful, when they were thinking, under the radar, of the suspects that were actually lying. At the same time, they responded more quickly to truthful words, honest, valid, when the thinking of the suspects who were actually telling the truth. So we do have this intuitive sense, this intuition, that we can use to tell if someone's lying, but follow that instinct, that urge, learn to listen to it, it makes a huge difference. They finish up by saying, these results provide a new lens to examine social perception and suggest unconscious measures may provide additional insight into interpersonal accuracy or detecting deception. So listen to that instinct, that urge. I mean, the key thing with any detecting deception is find their default setting, their normal, before you get into the same situations. Maybe they can't look at you normally. That's just who they are. They're always perspiring. Look for their normal and look for differences. The little things like the details will change. They'll either start giving you way too many or way too little. You'll see their nervousness, their pulse rate, their breathing rate increase. And another big one that I've noticed is that their bandwidth changes. It takes a lot more mental energy to lie, and you can see them thinking about things more, pausing more, more vocal fillers. Always something to look for with detecting deception. So with that, let's continue on with our personalities. We're adapting to them one-on-one. This is what we do. So this is our nice people, the dove in the bird code, steadiness, C in the ABC, D category, yellow in the color code, harmonious, considerate, relater. So a disclaimer on the colors that I'm using. There are different color assessments for personalities using different colors. Using different numbers, meaning there's some are four personalities, some are five. But most of the time, these are the colors you hear. So, these are just nice people. <laughs> They're not going to rock the boat. They're very low pressure. You're going to walk in their office and see pictures of their family. You might get a hug. They have a fear of letting people down or facing aggressive people that are going to back them into a corner. They care. They care about people. They have high emotional intelligence. They could really read into your tone. They're the ones that know that you're having a bad day when nobody else does. So they are relationship first, then the results. These are the people you're going to have to talk about the weekend, the cats, the dogs. That's just what they need. And, and if you're a more of a red, dominant type personality, you think it's a waste of time, but it's not. You're developing that relationship for future influence. They do dislike interpersonal conflict. They tend to run from conflict. They don't want to deal with the conflict. They don't want to rock the boat. They just want everyone to like them and move on. So they're also detail people. We've talked about before, the either detail or visionary people. These are detail people. They'll work slowly on the project, get the details done. They do work cohesively with others. They are the glue to your team. They might work longer with your department, your team, your company. They do seek security, the same things. They have awesome, like I said, EQ, emotional intelligence, good counseling skills, great listeners. They're warm. They're sensitive. They're likable. They can see what people are feeling. These are the ones, like I said, can really read people. So let's review on that. The steadiness, considerate, yellow type personality, dove, C personality, whatever you want to call it, relationship, relationship. They got to get to know you before they're going to open up and trust you and do business with you and be a valuable member of the team. They gotta know you care. They need to know that you got their back. When there is conflict, that you're gonna be neutral, that you're gonna attack the problem, not the person. And that's key in the situation. They'll run from interpersonal conflict. They might not speak up in the meetings when they should. They might not want to rock the boat or say something negative when they should. But man, they're glue on that team. They're very cohesive, they're easy to like. But they do want that security. They wanna know that they're a valuable member of the team. You can use them for great counseling skills, but let them be warm and sensitive feelings of others to read people in the meetings when maybe you're missing it. Remember the key is to have all four of these styles on a team to pull from the strengths from each style. So what's the best way to persuade, sell that, that relator, that harmonious, that considerate type personality? Spend the time building that relationship. You can get to the results later, but spend the time, build the relationship, build the trust, Careful of the big picture. They're also like your analyticals, your systematic type people where, okay, it's great, you have a vision, I need to know the 10 steps. So they need to know the steps, the details, and how you're going to get there. Find time to listen. Find time to let them use their counseling skills. If there's something or a task or a person that you can assign it to them, and let them be warm and sensitive to the feelings of others. So in these communications, like I said be warm, be open, smile, <laughs> rebuild the relationship. You can talk about their pictures on the wall, their family, but have more of a relaxed pace. Don't want to get it one and done, cross it off list. Let's do Let's just get right to it. We need to be a little patient here. Learn to listen carefully with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. Why are they saying that? Why are they feeling that? Why are they saying that to you? They need to know that you're not going to be doing any thubbing. Remember that phone snubbing? When your cell phone buzzes, your email dings, and you look away, and you broke the contact and told them, you're not a real person. I know you didn't mean to, but you did. That's a big one. So really spend the time to listen with 100% of your energy to the most important person on the earth. Watch your tone. They're going to pick up a little sarcasm, even if you maybe didn't even mean it. They're going to pick up on your tone and your empathy. Is it real? Are you genuine? You're authentic. That is what they're looking for. And they need to know, like I said, that you've got their back, that you're supporting them, that you're going to take them across the finish line, that you're there, your door's open for anything they need. So offer that support any way you can or in multiple ways. They need that ongoing support and to know that you've got their back and they're a valuable member of the team. So always support their feelings. first worst thing you say is, like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> no, I'd be angry too. You don't have to agree with it, but you can validate it that it's real. That's one of the worst things we do with our children, I'm depressed. We well, shouldn't be well, like I am. I'm afraid of flying. We well, shouldn't be well, like I am, right? Whether it's real to you or not, you have to validate the feelings. It's real to them. That's very important. Remember with them that slow is fast. Build the relationship and it'll pick up speed to get more and more, or else we should say quicker results. And give them time to trust you because once you have that trust, they you know that you have their back. That makes a big difference. And give them space. I'd say time and space. Meaning, don't call them on a meeting like you're the subject matter answer. Speak up. Tell them before, look, I need to take five minutes on this Zoom call to talk about this and this. I need you to take 10 minutes. You're the subject matter expert. I need you to stand your ground a little bit more. You know more than anybody in this meeting about this product, service, or idea. Give them permission to stand up. Give them permission to speak. Give them some time and space to speak up in a meeting, let them know that it's coming, whether it's face-to-face or Zoom, that can increase your chances to get them interactive, get them involved, and to influence them. And just like your analyticals, your white type personalities, no surprises, <laughs> right? When you're a detail type person, no surprises, keep the deadline, that's all very important. Mention watching your tone and your eye contact, that's obviously very, very important. But that time and space to prepare, to think it through, to get ready, give them permission to speak up, permission to say something that you're expecting. it. You don't have to do that in a meeting, but do it on one-on-one. Say, look, I need your opinion. You're a member of the team. Don't let so-and-so keep interrupting you. I'll set the rules ahead of time. Everyone gets five minutes to speak without being interrupted. The biggest one for this category, though, is going to be conflict. They do not like conflict. They do not want conflict. They will run away from conflict. They just want to be likable and everyone to like them. And, and sometimes that can be a challenge. So when you're dealing with your dominant, direct, assertive type personalities, the red type personalities, let's fight it out. Let's go. Let's argue. Let's have an opinion. Let's go. Let's do it. And that's not what this type of style wants. When you want to be harmonious, considerate, or that steadiness, yellow type personality, conflict is tough let's know so what i would recommend especially in a persuasion cell situation is to schedule the conflict not two years out just say look we've got to talk about this we got this negotiation coming up we don't agree we need to talk about this elephant in the room you know tomorrow at 11 a.m we need to talk about these three things neither one of us want to talk about it but you know let's talk about these three things come up with a solution work together Want to make sure that our relationship's intact. Catch that and work through this. And do it in a very calm, empathetic, lots of eye contact banner. Take notes. That might be a good thing in a situation like this to show them that you're caring. A lot of eye contact. You've gotten rid of your laptop and cell phone if you can. And consider maybe having someone in the room that they really have connected with, they care for, they have a good relationship with. Maybe. Depends on the situation and what you are persuading on. So there you have it. One more style for the books. We'll do our final one next week. My voice held up pretty good. It was kind of shaky the other day, and then they got better than it worse. They got better than worse. But I think I'm on the mend, so that is a good thing. Appreciate you being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Under maximize your influence. The special this week is taking your presentation IQ. It's free. A few minutes. I'll take you There's 10 questions. Helps you with my research. I'm going to give you the hour seminar and downloads on how to create the perfect persuasive presentation. Because anybody can present, but you're persuasive. Anybody can communicate something, but are you convincing people? How can you have charisma and command and get other people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing that? And besides that, your upward mobility and your speaking skills, there's a direct correlation. So check it out, giving it out for free, presentationIQ.com. These links will be found at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And again, my email, KurtKorty at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Send me an email, check out the links. Become more influential, become a better leader, become more trustworthy. Learn how to persuade and motivate yourself. Adapt your communication styles to people you meet. Learn to read them. Even if it's just the results relationship, learn to read people, adapt to them. And go out and persuade with power.